Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're uh, studying the life of Jacob. And uh, Torah portion number 8 is out of Genesis 32 through Genesis 36. And uh, lots of different things that we can talk about today. Let's pray for Brazil. They, uh, they were crying after they lost the uh, World Cup game. Couldn't help, I saw our Brazilian pastor Wanderson there. May God bring healing to all of our Brazilian congregation. Uh, but uh, uh, yet, yeah, uh, back to the Torah study. Uh, uh, I entitled today's uh, teaching, Did Jacob, Israel, Have an Identity Crisis? And uh, that's what strikes me in this particular study. It's pretty mystifying in that uh, God shows us this uh, strange wrestling match with what is an unidentified adversary just as he's ready to cross the river back into the promised land. Remember, he's been in exile for over 20 years back in the old country, uh, back in Abraham's country. And he's been living with Uncle Laban for 20 years. And he kind of has been reaping what he sowed because... Abraham, I mean, uh, Laban was a conniver. And Jacob got rope-a-dope with the marriage with Rachel and Leah. And you know, all, you know how that, that worked out. But uh, we're going to talk today about this alleged identity crisis. And it does apply to Christianity, you'll see as we get into this. But uh, in Genesis uh, 32, uh, it it says, after this wrestling match, uh, it says, Your name shall no longer be Yaakov, Jacob, Yaakov, uh, but Israel, Israel. For you have striven with beings divine and human and have prevailed. And have prevailed. Another translation says, Your name will no longer be said to be Jacob, Yaakov, but Israel. You have become great before God and man. You have won. And this is an example of our position in God today. We're in a wrestling match. Powers and principalities, situations, circumstances. And we're striving, we're fighting the good fight of faith. Put your spiritual dukes up and throw a punch and God will guide it and knock out the enemy because he says, you have won, you have prevailed. 
And so, in this uh, study, there's something that's happening with Jacob's name being changed in that it's not an adjustment to uh, an existing name like Abram became Abraham or Sarai became Sarah. It's an entirely new name. And as we'll see, it represents God's call to you and I to step into a complete change of character as believers. God has a whole new identity for us that's been hidden in Christ. And He has a completely different destiny for you than what the world may have intended. And God love our parents. Uh, I know you probably grew up in uh, the Leave It to Beaver, Ozzy and Harriet, Bill Cosby kind of family on TV. Uh, but for me and my family, I was praying for my sisters uh, this morning because, dear God, we were the dysfunctional, all-American dysfunctional family. And the devil did everything he could through all kinds of events and circumstances to screw us up. (laughs) To put it bluntly. (laughs) Now you're walking on water and when you're going around you got a little halo on your head. So you don't probably know what I'm talking about. Maybe somebody knows what I'm talking about. But God has a new beginning for us. And it's no coincidence today's Torah study is number eight in the cycle. And eight means a new beginning. So we got this unique situation. And it's puzzled the great Jewish leaders over the centuries uh, in that even though Israel, Jacob, went through this name change, this, he had this big battle and he prevailed, he won, the Torah continually calls him Jacob, Yaakov. Why is that? Why, if I got my name changed, Lord, and I now will be known as Israel, why do you keep calling me Jacob? I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, And the reason why is it has something to do with Jacob's identity crisis. And it relates to, and we forget this, but Jacob had a twin brother, Esau. And it has something to do with Esau. Most of us probably know that Jacob developed some negative character traits while growing up. Now, you probably didn't develop any negative character traits, but Jacob did, so let's pick on him. Jacob, if you can hear us, if you're part of that great cloud of witnesses and are listening in, we're just teasing you now. We're using you as an object lesson, an illustrated sermon. But look, we've all had our issues. Got the t-shirt, been to the conference been delivered of issues. But the issues, if we don't challenge those issues, this gets into why the wrestling match, Lord, because God wants you to fight the good fight of faith. 
Yeah, the battle is the Lord, and the Lord's going to do a lot of great things, but He needs a partner, not a partner in crime. (laughs) He needs a partner in the victory. Stand up, child of God. Having done all to stand, stand up and fight. Fight with your words. Fight in your prayer. Fight with your praise. Fight the good fight of faith and pull down strongholds. Capture every thought. If you don't get into that mindset, then things get unchallenged and they become unchanged. And these are the things that typically will hinder us. You know, when the the old say, the truth hurts. Yeah, it, it, it does because the truth of the matter is when we look at ourselves in the pages of the Bible and we see what God says we can become and we realize where we're at, thank God we got uh, grace or another word for grace is gap insurance. <laughs> You know what gap insurance is, right? That gap between what God wants you to become and where you're at right now, there's usually a gap. But thanks be to Jesus who gives us gap insurance. He's patient and long-suffering, and uh, we're going to get there, right? But we're going to have to fight along the way. Well, I want the easy way. No, God said you're going to take the road less traveled. So, if we don't make these uh, changes, then it hinders us from becoming what God destines us to be. And Jacob's destiny was to be included in the eternal phrase, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Imagine if he would have been left out of that. Oh, well, name it something else. <laughs> Jacob keeps messing up. <laughs> but as strange as it seems, the, the, one of the key hindrances uh, that he faced was this recurring temptation to see himself as Esau. We're going to talk about this. He kept seeing himself as Esau. As if some, in some way he was trying to live up to somebody else's expectation. And he was trying to become someone God never intended him to be. He trying to please others so that they would think, you're somebody else. You're, you're Esau. You're not Jacob. God didn't want that happening. So he's got this identity crisis and God sets up this mysterious encounter where Jacob has to wrestle with some things before he can resume the mission God gave Abraham, his granddad, and Isaac, his dad, and now that baton has been passed on to him. What you going to do with it, son? I looked up identity crisis and read a little bit about that and I thought my gosh that's what America's going through today (laughs) a national identity and individuals as well but an identity crisis in one sense is defined as a psychological state of confusion 
It's a psychological state of conflict in which individuals question their place and role in life. And this is especially true amongst young people. This is where we see a lot of this gender dysphoria, gender identity misside. People are confused and they, they're in conflict with all their emotions. And some people on this shoulder are speaking this side and some people on the other shoulder are saying, and there's just, you're not making matters better. And so it, it, it's not a one-time event. Well, that happened to me. No, it's an ongoing thing that goes through various stages, some of these experts say. And you begin to question everything about yourself. You're confused about your values. You're confused about your purpose, your social role. And you either don't know your true self or, or you lost touch with it. And it all results in this emotional instability, this mental anxiety, these fearful insecurities, a sense of inferiority, a lack of self-worth, and a lot of bad decisions. (laughs) And Jacob has this going on. I dare say at some level, at some Uh, In some way, shape, or form, we've all had to go through a little bit of this. But the ultimate solution, the lasting solution to it all, is when we base our identity on what the Lord says about us. And this is why America has this emotional, spiritual, religious, secular conflict. is because the devil doesn't want us to know that not only are we one nation under God, you as as an individual can become a child of God and have your identity found in Christ. And all of a sudden that becomes a game changer when you're linked to the one true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God knows this is going on. He knows Jacob has got this internal struggle. And so he begins to orchestrate circumstances behind the scenes to help him solve the problem that started years earlier. If you think about it, from the time Jacob was born, he was always trying to be seen by others as his brother. From the time he's born. He's in his mother's womb. And there's this struggle the Bible teaches. That's why he was called Jacob in the first place. Because when he was born, he was born holding on to his brother's heel. And that's what Jacob means. Holding on to the heel. So from birth, he's got this sibling rivalry, sibling attachment. Something weird's going on there. And it's causing him ongoing confusion and pressure and anxiety. And as he grew, what does he do? He buys his brother's birthright for a bowl of lentils. He actually ends up wearing his brother's clothes. And he had his mom's full support. (laughs) And they conspired to take Esau's blessing. 
Remember when Isaac, dad, asked him, Who are you, my son? And Jacob replies, I am Esau, your firstborn. So this thing, like, you got a lot of stuff going on there, and this is just what we know. If we were going to extrapolate, <laughs> my gosh, we'll, we'll be able to talk to Jacob in the sweet by and by, and he'll give us the rest of the story. But it does seem crazy that Jacob grew up wanting to be Esau. So what's at the root of all of this? One main reason that's in the Torah says Esau had one thing Jacob didn't have that was very important to him. His father's love. Jacob didn't have his father's love. The scripture says Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. There's a whole teaching in there on parenting and why we need one man and one woman in the house, a mommy and a daddy. Heather don't need two mamas. (laughs) Heather needs a mommy and a daddy. (laughs) So living without his father's love, it defines his early life. And so he spends many a year trying to uh, uh, get his father to love him. How many of you ever heard that song, or is it a saying? Is it, was it in the movie, or was it a movie? Love is a many splendored thing. But what about lack of love? I know a little bit about that, being from a dysfunctional family. And it creates this gut-wrenching thing you just can't seem to shake. It, it, it feeds a, a, a lower self-esteem in you than God wants you to have. It, it shapes your destiny because you're looking through a filtered lens and that lens is filtered by some negative vibes, negative emotions, anxiety and fear and frustration and disappointment. And when, when that's your life and that's what you see, my gosh, you're like Elvis, we're caught in a trap. <laughs> but God wants you to be set free. That's the good news. Amen. Amen. But in order to move forward, God shows us in today's study this need to be prepared to do some wrestling. Because there's an image that's been created before Christ. And even, even if you were religious and saved in Christ, there may not be this kind of teaching that's formed the foundation of your spirit and soul and your outlook on life. And so you're, there's still this struggle. But God says, I'm going to cause you to prevail over this thing, and you will win. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. So if you want to be a winner, never quit. Right? If, if it takes, well, if it takes more than a week, right? It, it didn't take you a week to get into this dilemma. 
It may not take a week to get out, but God's a God of miracles. Well, maybe the miracle just takes a little more unwinding of the cat's cradle, and you just got to say, I'm in it to win it. It may take a week, it may take a year, it may take 20 years. Jacob's been in Laban's world for 20 plus years. Getting all this worldly, secular, conniving, bad, 20 years. We got saved in 1984. I'm not turning back. In 19, I decided, we decided that we're going to follow Jesus. End of story, we're going to follow Jesus. Come follow him with us. So this becomes the picture of the Christian life. It's a journey in life, but it's also a journey to life. Well, I thought when I prayed that first prayer that my journey was over. (laughs) No, no, child of God, beloved one, that that altar call prayer is just the first step of a whole lifetime of steps. Right? So this is what this great wrestling match is all about between Jacob and this unidentified mystery man. Now, it's been over 20 years since God gave him the dream at Mount Moriah we talked about last week. God knew, though, that there's still some things unresolved. And now this, whatever is in the tea leaves for Jacob, time to go back to Israel. It's time, 20 years, you've been in exile enough, it's time to come home and get this thing going. But in order to get this thing going the way I want it going, God says, I want you to get on top of this identity crisis once and for all. And you can see this, uh, am I Jacob, am I Esau? Who am I trying to be? Well, while he's with Uncle Laban, Jacob becomes fantastically wealthy. So, like, he's getting into some success and some riches. But if you think about it, you can trace it all the way back to when he took on Esau's name and wore his clothes and wept for I am Esau, and Isaac blessed him. That's the blessing of Esau, that he would be materialistically wealthy. And now it's all been manifested. So not only all this other stuff, now all of a sudden I'm walking in the blessing of Esau. You might remember that we taught on this is that uh, Jacob and Rebekah made a huge mistake when they conspired to take Esau's blessing in the first place because they only thought Isaac had one blessing to give. But when you go back and read the blessings that Isaac gave on both of them, they're different blessings. Isaac had one unique blessing for Esau And one unique blessing for Jacob. One is a materialistic blessing. The other one is the spiritual covenant blessing. And Jacob gets them both. And so now, 20 years later, he's walking in this blessing of uh, Esau. He's fantastically wealthy. 
He's going back to resume a spiritual mission. What's, what's his top priority? Mammon? Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve mammon? Who's going to be my God in this? Who, who has the top priority? And so, the issue that needs to be wrestled with is whether he's going to continue to be more like Esau and think about things in, in terms of how Esau thinks about things, or is he going to switch sides, so to speak, and settle this thing once and for all? I am a born-again, blood-bought, Bible-toting, pew-jumping, tongue-talking, praise-and-worship-singing Christian, and that's who I am. I'm proud of it. I've decided I'm going to live like that for the rest of my life. Or I'm going to be an expert Amazon shopper and spend my life finagling Amazon deals. That's my chief priority. So God arranges the wrestling match. Some commentators uh, say this is Esau's angel that he's wrestling with. Others believe it's Jacob wrestling within himself. That it's God challenging Jacob to a showdown with himself. Jacob, who have you become? Who are you destined to be? So, however it all, we'll figure this out in heaven. Uh, there, you know, one, you know, we, you know, no man know. Well, my interpretation is the only interpret. No, yeah, you just kind of go easy on that one. But it's all symbolic of working out what was programmed into him as a child. What was programmed into you as a child? What manner of woman, what manner of man have you become living out there in the world without God, without Christ, without the Bible? And what manner of woman or what manner of man can you become for God if you'll just do it His way? Got to settle all of this once and for all. And look, you can make one quality decision today if you're like in this valley of indecision on a lot of things, but you'll still have to walk it out. The, the devil doesn't fight fair and he fights round the clock. Right? He'll orchestrate all kinds of things to get you into the wrong spirit. And all of a sudden, you feel like what happened 20 years ago it happened yesterday. For Jacob, it all has to do with Isaac's two blessings. The financial blessing and the spiritual blessing. Would, would Jacob, going back to resume his mission, be grounded in the blessing of Esau... Or in his own blessing, the blessing of Jacob, and in the DNA that was passed down from Abraham and Isaac. How many of you know today you got spiritual DNA inside you? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It's what it means to be born again. Right? Just doesn't mean you joined a religion. It means you have a relationship with the one and only Savior, Redeemer, and Deliverer who can do all things through your life. Now, it may take some time to get it all worked out. 
What are you going to do otherwise? If you live for 20 more years, at the end of 20 years, if you I'm not going to live for God, it's too Well, at the end, of, you're going to have struggled even more and more and more over 20 years. Instead of over the 20 years, things keep improving, progressing, getting better and better and better. More better. So, Jacob's got to reflect on his life. This is the genius of the biblical holidays. There are some key times on God's Bible calendar where you reflect on your life. Uh, in Christianity and Catholicism, they, they co-opted it, appropriated it, and called it Lent. So if, if you do Lent, okay. But the original Bible holidays are the 50 days from Passover to Pentecost and then the 40 days from the first of Elul through Yom Kippur. And these are uh, appointed times where you examine yourself, your priorities, and make sure once a year, twice, two times a year at least, if not 367 times, or 65 (laughs) times a year. We think about these things. What, are, what, is, what is your key definite purpose? To serve the Lord God Almighty with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. The greatest commandment. What are your primary motives? What are your priorities? A lot of times we can just look at our, our giving record to Amazon versus our giving record to the Lord and compare the two. And we, oh my gosh, I've been giving God a buck or two and I've been giving Jeff Bezos thousands of dollars. <laughs> now you may need whatever you, and that's all cool and good. God love you. God bless you. You can be blessed and still serve the Lord as your top priority. That's kind of the goal, right? Having done all to serve the Lord, God promises to bless you. Just don't get back into, well, I don't need God no more. No, uh, God's blessed you as a result of you serving Him. So that's that's the key. The good news is, is that after Jacob wrestles all night, he comes out victorious. Come on. And he was told his name will now be Israel. It says in Genesis 32, 29, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but rather Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. Say, I'm an overcomer. Yes, you are. The root meaning of the name Israel is royalty or prince. The prince of Israel, the royalty in the family of God. That's a huge change from Jacob, which means one who holds on to his brother's heel. (laughs) Yeah, quite a difference. And God's showing us something. That it's not just a name change for the sake of changing my name. I'm going to change my name to Meta World Peace. (laughs) old basketball player Ron something what was his name Ron something yeah it really is a challenge to Jacob and it's God saying Jacob your future success 
is going to be based on whether you can act in such a way that people will see you as Israel and not Jacob. How are people going to see you moving forward? Are you going to be Jacob who struggled, a conniver, who people say was a deceiver and stole the book? Or are you going to, moving forward, be seen as a child of the living God, one who's rejected and renounced and repented of all of that negativity, and now with a new beginning as a new creation, you're going to go on and be the patriarch of the family? And it's going to mean he's got to start seeing himself differently. That's how you begin to clear up the identity crisis. It's how you see yourself, right? And obviously uh, how you're seen by others. But in, in both cases, something has to radically change. And this is where we have maybe lost some of the effectiveness of being born again is we're not associating being born again with being radically changed. Are you addicted to Jesus? Yes, somebody. Well, there you go. Because your true identity is in Christ. It's written down in here. Amen. You're not Esau anymore. You're not even Jacob anymore. You're Israel! And this is the name that's going to identify you with the Lord, someone who has prevailed over this identity crisis. So then why do we still call him Jacob? (laughs) What's going on there, Lord? Why don't we pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? Why is it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why don't we update that to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? Because the Lord is showing us we're in a never-ending challenge. I beg your pardon. (laughs) Who sang that? I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. I know we want the rose garden. Who doesn't, right? Who doesn't want the easy life? But there's always going to be Goliaths that have to be challenged. Anytime you want to go to the next level, there's going to be a next devil. Powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, all sent to resist you from uh, knowing who you are in Christ and stopping you from climbing the ladder of spiritual success. So fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because you're an overcomer. You can't be an overcomer if you don't overcome something. (laughs) Do we got any overcomers in the house? Have you been in a battle and you overcome? Have you been fighting and wrestling and grappling and struggling against powers and principalities, issues and obstacles? But it's a good fight. Why? Because you're the winner. God has ordained you to win. He has created you to win. You are destined to win. You will win. You will overcome. Because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. And look, it's not a one-time event. 
It's one thing to get to the mountaintop. It's another thing to stay on the mountaintop. Right? So throughout our life, we're going to be wrestling some things. Hopefully, we're not wrestling the same things. But that's just a big part of spiritual warfare. We're being challenged to rethink and rebrand ourselves from our before Christ, our B.C. days. And we're trying to understand our new identity that God has given us in Him rather than defining ourselves by our past experiences, by our nationality, by our personality. Amen. To experience all of this breakthrough, all of this miracle, all this transformation, we got to, at the very bottom of the, uh, at the start of it all, we got to see ourselves as God sees us. How many of you know this morning you're new creations? (laughs) No matter how your past was shaped, no matter what sin you committed or what sin was committed against you, you got to realize that the power of that sin is not only forgiven, it's broken. This is why Paul could say what he said in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 7.2, he says, we've wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. This is the Apostle Paul saying it. What? Paul, where do you get off saying that? Weren't you the one that officiated Stephen's death by stoning? Weren't you the one that was dispatched around Israel and even as far as Damascus, hunting down Christians for their beliefs? Throwing them into prison and persecuting them. So how does he say, I wrong no man? Because, and let's thank the Lord for this, that our history doesn't define our destiny. What Paul did before Christ and how he was transformed with that initial encounter on the Damascus road. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who you persecute. Oh my gosh. I'm changing. I'm repenting. I'm changing. Your history doesn't define your destiny. God says old things have passed away and now you're a new creation in Christ. (laughs) Mistakes of the past, forgiven. There's therefore now no condemnation. It helps to have an encounter. (laughs) It helps to be open to repenting. (laughs) It helps to know what the Bible says. There's no shortcut to that. Well, I just want to serve God the microwave oven style. No, you serve God the crock pot style. One takes 60 minutes, 60 seconds, and the other one takes all day. 
God said, it's going to take all. Now, there will be seasons and times where God will put some miracle grow in your life and you'll go into a breakthrough mode. But usually the breakthrough mode, if you think about it, is always preceded by sincere moments of prayer and reflection, and times with the Lord. It's like my grandson always says, Wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, He'll renew your strength. If you wait on the Lord. Waiting means waiting. (laughs) Right? I I want patience and I want it now. Give me faithfulness. No, you acquire and cultivate those things over time. But thanks be to God, no longer defined by your mistakes. Painful memories, Jesus heals the broken heart. Amen? Well, how does he do that? A lot of times you just can't get out your little uh, life calculator and punch a few buttons and it all adds up nice and neat. Jesus' teaching on this says it's as a man sows seed in the ground. And it grows, but he knoweth not how. He knoweth not how. How does all of this work? Just immerse yourself in the things of God, and God has a way of making all... It's called washing of the water of the Word. All right? Ever heard that from Ephesians 5? That God will wash you with the water of the Word. What is He washing away? All the sin, all the pain, all the bad feelings, all the frustrations, things that have vexed you and held you back. The Word of God is like living water. And it washes. How does that work? I don't know. God said it. That settles it. Just help me keep believing it, Lord. So, being an overcomer means you overcome these negative things, these negative experiences, negative thoughts, and you replace it with the truth. Can you handle the truth? (laughs) Do you want the truth? Did you order the code red? (laughs) So here's ten, let's close with this. Here's ten powerful scriptures that help you to form your new identity in Christ. Who are you in Christ? You are who he says you are. Number one, in Christ, you are loved. Say that, I am loved. The Bible says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you'll be made complete 
with all the fullness of life and power that comes from the Lord. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. Number two, in Christ you are forgiven. Right? Say, I am forgiven. Ephesians 1, 7, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. (laughs) Number three, in Christ you are chosen. Say, I am chosen. 1 Peter 2.9 You are a chosen people. Royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. In Christ, you are a new creation. Say, I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Amen. In Christ, we are not condemned. Say, I am not condemned. Romans 8.1, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Number six, in Christ you are more than a conqueror. And Romans 8.37 says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Hallelujah. Man, the gift that keeps on giving right here. Number seven, in Christ, you are God's masterpiece. Say, I am God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Man, isn't God good? Number eight. In Christ, you are a work in progress. Say, I am a work in progress. The only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. Philippians 1.6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Amen. Notice, it's finally finished at the rapture. So between now and wherever the rapture is, it ain't finally finished. That means, as the average white man once said, we got work to do. Got so much work to do. Or was it the Isley brothers? (laughs) Both. All right, I have uh, digressed. Number nine. Number nine. In Christ, you are provided for. Say, I am provided for. 
Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. And number 10, in Christ you are victorious. Say, I am victorious. 1 Corinthians 15.57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the victory. Now how many of you know there's a thousand and one other scriptures that define who you are? And part of the Christian journey is to adapt and adopt and embrace and absorb as many of these as you can to, so they get in your soul and they begin to renew your mind and renew your spirit. And all of a sudden, you're a transformed person. When will it happen? It's already happening. It's happening even now as we share the Word of God because it's a living Word, a good Word, a powerful Word, a transforming Word. Amen? Well, if you receive that this morning, give the Lord a big praise. Thank you for joining us on Zoom. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter!